If God said it and the Bible confirms it and I believe it, that settles it. Thank you for joining in on episode 55 of a Good Start and Visions and End Result podcast by Bryce Harper. This is Bryce Harper. Thanks for tuning in. I want to talk to you today real quickly about not losing your heart as you're holding on to the promises of God, which can be something that is easily done. And again, I want to mention this statement. If God said it and the Bible confirms it and we believe it, that settles it. And really do believe it's as simple as that. Um, in talking about this, this is a message I shared recently on Mother's Day here at Family Worship Center where I have the honor of serving and leading as pastor. Um, I talked about Hannah from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, and and throughout that whole chapter just telling that story and, and uh, got me thinking of a couple of different things, statements. Um, Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers. They have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Heath Adamson said, God does not anoint who you pretend to be or who you or who people perceive you to be. God anoints who you were created to be. Charles Spurgeon said, when asked, what is more important, praying or reading the Bible, I ask, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? Again, if God said and the Bible confirms it, and I believe it, that settles it. Um, interesting story when you think about Hannah and her situation, married to Elkanah, and he had two wives, Penina and her, Hannah, and Penina had children, Hannah did not. Verse 6 says, um, there in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, that Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And see, in the Old Testament, it was very, it was something that was very, very frowned upon. I mean, you you were, if you were a woman and you could not have children and you were barren, you were just looked down upon really bad in a, in a societal way. I mean, you were basically looked as somebody who God had cursed. And during that time, a husband had the silver right if his wife could not bear children. He had the right to, that was means for divorce. Elkanah chose to still be in relationship with Hannah, despite the fact that she was barren and she couldn't produce um, children for him. And so some of the things I pull from this immediately is, are we in, do we have relationships in our lives that people just want something from us? Elkanah was in relationship with Hannah, not because she could produce anything for him, because she couldn't. She physically could not. But the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel that Elkanah loved Hannah. He had an affection towards, there was something about Hannah that he still loved, despite the fact society would tell him that she's cursed, or society would tell him he has a right to disconnect and divorce himself from somebody who couldn't produce an heir for him. What am I saying? I'm saying we live in a society even now today where we have been given countless reasons to opt out of being in relationship with each other because of what does it do for me? What am I getting out of this relationship? Man, we live in that kind of culture in Western Christianity, in America, just in the globe. You know, they're, they're like, what does this person provide for me? 
And we don't simply have relationship with people just purely because we love them. We have appreciation for for them. And but this is when you think about this though, again, going back to verse six, the Bible says, because the Lord kept her, Hannah, from having children. Penina would taunt and make fun of Hannah because the Lord had kept her from having children. So the question is, why did the Lord keep her from having children? Why did this happen? Why why would God do such a such an awful thing? I mean, Hannah wanted to have children. God knew the implications for someone like Hannah in the time that she was living in, in society and history and culture. He knew the things she would have to endure because she was barren, yet the Lord kept her from having children. I mean, when you get into these kind of questions and you begin to look at Scripture this way, I mean, it it can really cause a complex. I mean, it can really cause one to just wonder, what is the intentions? I mean, what what is the will and plan of God in the midst of something like this to say, because the Lord has kept her from having children? Why did the Lord keep her from having children? But the real question is, why do we expect everything in our life to go exactly the way we want it? That's a deeper question. That's a more invasive question for you and I. Why do we expect gifts from God? Why do we expect blessing of God? Why do we expect but why do we expect anything and everything to go precisely the way we want it. Why why do we expect that? Why do we live with that kind of mindset? Um, you know, Hannah in this moment um, is dealing with a lot of anguish, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel. And I do believe the point we see Hannah getting to where she's just going to the tabernacle in Shiloh, praying to God bitterly. The Bible is using words like anguish and just she's having this deep pain. She's downhearted. God is wanting to be more than just a provider, right? Like we know we serve a God. We know God can break through for us. We know God can, you know, perform miracles for us. We know God can do these supernatural things for our benefit. But more than I want God to do a supernatural breakthrough just to make my life a little bit more convenient, or just to have things the way I want to, more than I want God to do something for me, we need to establish that God needs to be something for us. So God doesn't just want to be provider. He wants to be father. He wants to be Abba. More than God wants to break through for us, we want to just be in love with the God of breakthrough. Why do we so often and so quickly want what's in God's hand rather than wanting his hand? Then rather than wanting to hold his hand, we would rather have what's in his hand than be able to hold his hand and be in relationship 
with him. And so year after year in this, in this story, Elkanah with his wives, Panina and Hannah would go to the tabernacle. And every time and every year they would go, Hannah would be reduced to tears because Panina would taunt Hannah. And Elkanah is like, hey, what's going on? Why are you crying? I mean, just because you can't have children? Look, I love you. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? Right. Basically saying, like, you don't have to deal with dirty diapers. You don't have to deal with tantrums. You don't have to deal with weaning and, and, and all these things. You don't have to deal with all this stuff. You still got a husband. Right. Most people in your situation that can't have children don't have a husband, don't have a provider, don't have protector, don't have don't have their needs being met. Like, look, like Elkanah was just trying to, like, give her perspective. Like, look, it could be way worse for you. Like, why are you so upset? Like you're upset, like, like, like way too much. But here's the deal: Hannah may not have been physically pregnant, but she was spiritually pregnant. She was not okay with her situation, and she wanted more than her needs to be met. She wanted a legacy left. Like she wanted something to be produced from her life that would go on beyond her life. She wanted her life to have meaning. She wanted her life to have value. And so here, here she is again. Hannah was in deep anguish. She's barely crying. The Eli, the priest there, sees her praying. And I love this, that in this deep anger, anguish, bitterness, pain, in this, in this place of just deep hurt, and questioning and confusion. What does Hannah do? Hannah goes to the tabernacle to pray. That's where she goes. Man, where do we go in these deep places? I would encourage you to go to prayer. Go to the house of God. Get in his presence. Give these things to him. Give him your tears. Give him your heart. Give him your words. Give him, give him this burden that's on, on your life. You know, there's a lot of things we do in moments like this, right? There's a lot of moments in deep pain and anger and bitterness and hurt that we turn to gossiping, right? I mean, she could have went on and she had plenty of things she could have went on about Panina, right? But she didn't. Uh, she could have... I don't know, went and got drunk, you know, and just drowned her sorrow because she had plenty of sorrow to drown out, right? She could have taken her life um, because she had tried long enough to not to produce life in me. I mean, the scholars would tell us that Hannah was barren for 19 years. And so despite all of these kind of different things, she goes to prayer and she makes this vow, oh, Lord of the heavens armies, I, if you look if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So even though Hannah may have not have been physically pregnant, she was spiritually pregnant. I mean, she was, she was overwhelmed with this notion that if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And so as she was praying, Eli saw her, and he, of course you see, you know the interaction there. He's like, "Come on, man, you can't be coming to 
can't be coming to church drunk. You know, like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm not drunk. I'm just very discouraged. I'm just pouring, pouring my heart out. I'm hurting. I'm not a wicked woman. I'm just praying out of just great anguish and just sorrow and, and pain. And so Eli says, hey, I mean, if that's the case, like, if you're telling me the truth, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request, grant your prayer. Like, may your prayer be answered. And it's amazing. Hannah just says, thank you, Serge. And she goes back. And, and up until this point, she's not eating. She's upset. And then she goes and says, hey, I'm, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You know, and, and leaves. And she's happy. She's no longer sad. And she's eating. That's because if God said it and the Bible confirms it and we believe it, that settles it. It's amazing that in this quick interaction, Hannah's good. Why? Because if God said it and the Bible confirms it and you and I believe it, that settles it. And, um, you know, Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years. So, look, if you are in a season of waiting, don't lose heart. Hold on. You're in good company, right? You're in good company. And um, so she has a son. She she names him Samuel. And she's, I mean, she made this promise. She's going to dedicate him to the Lord. She's going to give him to the Lord. She's going to give him to the to the tabernacle and to the pre and to the priests there and and um, so Elkanah's going to his yearly trip and Hannah's not going and she tells tells him hey I'm I'm waiting to wean you know I'm, I gotta get this boy weaned I gotta get this baby weaned and then I'll then I'll take him and then he'll be I'll bring him to the tabernacle and I will leave him there permanently she says and so Elkanah says hey whatever you think is best which is like a pause side note like guys, husbands, like take note. There's a great response from Elkanah. He says, whatever you think is best. There's a great response to your wife, uh, whatever she's countering you with anything. Ah, you know what? Whatever you think is best. Um, and so Elkanah agrees. Whatever you think is, and then he says, stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. And so the Bible tells us that it was when he was three years excuse me, when he was three years old, that Hannah brings Samuel to the tabernacle to dedicate him and leave him. And so she does that. They all worship, and uh, she keeps her promise. Hannah goes on to have five other children, and, and, and of course, this she produced this amazing figure in the Old Testament who would go on to anoint David, and and it's just amazing to see from her life what she was able to produce. Um, she produced the one who was going to be the greatest king um, in Israel um, for the people of Israel. And, and when you think about not losing heart, holding on to the promise of God, I think about Hannah, I think about these things that she went through. I think about how she went to God. I think about how, man, there was people speaking against her. There was there was people taunting her. There's people making fun of her. She was looked down upon. Yet she still goes to God. Yet she still goes to the house of God. She goes to the priest of God. And she gives it to the Lord. She refused to get just all bogged down and all this stuff going on around her. 
She just simply goes to the Lord. And right now my wife is is pregnant and we're going to be having um, our third daughter in August. If you're listening to the, what depending on when you're listening to this, right now it's May 18th of 2023. And so here in just a few short months, we'll have our third daughter. And man, when you're carrying a child uh, or when you're carrying a promise from God, man, there's a there's a lot, lot of different seasons that you got to get through. There's a lot of different stages that you've got to endure and um, try those trimesters, man. One can be amazing. One can be awful. And Sarah luckily is in, is in, a, is in a time where she's doing really well. But that first trimester was really, really rough. And I say all that and I could go more into it, but there is just there are certain there's just certain times in our lives where it's just more difficult than usual. And you can't give up on the promise of God. You you cannot lose heart. You can't you've got to hold on. There is a miracle taking place in your life, in your heart, man. If you've got a dream, if you've got a calling on your life, if you feel like God's just there's something more that you just desire from the Lord producing in your life, you just got to hold on to the Lord and don't lose heart. And if God said it and the Bible confirms it and you believe it, that settles it. And just being able to hold on to the promises of the Lord. And and so it makes me think about just this season where Sarah is in. And even last year, we went to a conference, um, Ruach uh, in Chattanooga at Redemption to the Nation's Church. And at the last night, they asked if they opened up the altars and wanted couples to come down. It was a pastor's conference. They wanted pastors to come down with their spouses. And, you know, if they were trying to conceive, they felt like, hey, we need to pray for this. And so, so we were sitting in the back. Sarah's like, look, we've been trying to have a girl. Let's go down. Let's go to your prayer. I'm like, okay. I mean, we, we, we've been trying for 22 months. So yeah, let's, I mean, that's fine. Let's go. I didn't, I don't feel like it was completely necessary, but I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. You know, I feel like it. Let's go. So we went down and as we're walking down, the pastor said, you all, um, by this time next year, we'll, we'll have a child and it will be a sign not only to you but to your church that God is birthing a new thing. God's doing a new thing. And man, when she said that, I was that was just it was just so powerful. And and of course here we are. We shared that with our church this uh, past Sunday and it was really really powerful. And and when you are in a season of you know like for Sarah Having a child inside of her, developing and growing, um, the, man, there's just a lot of things you got to navigate, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of things physically that you got to navigate that I think really, really compare to the spiritual thing. Um, there's a lot of discomfort, right? It's hard to get comfortable. It's hard to get good rest, you know, um, and you look different, your appetite's changing, there's cravings, you know, different things. And so what, not only are you feeding yourself, but you're feeding what's inside of you. You're, and so whatever is going on in your life, don't just feed your flesh, but feed your spirit. Feed the promise of God. You got to get around people who have a promise of God inside of them. And I'm thinking about Mary and Elizabeth now, you know, I mean, you got to, you've got to connect yourself with, with people who have something spiritually going on 
inside of them. And then even thinking about all the way up to the delivery of the promise. And there's stages in that where, man, it's okay, it's good, okay, it's getting intense. And then there's a point in, in when a woman is delivering a child, they call it transition, where, man, they've got to focus, there's no more distractions, they're wanting to give up. They're, they're like, no, there's no way, can't do this, you know, whatever. And and so it's even like that for us. We've, we've got to hold on, can't lose heart. And if God said it and the Bible confirms it, and I believe it, that settles it. And, um, and of course, once that promise is birthed, once that, once that child is birthed, there is just this incredible peace. There's just, it's, you just witness the miracle of childbirth. You just witnessed a miracle. Um, there is a calm. There is a bonding that's taking place. There's a relaxing that takes place. There's a comfort and peace that comes into the room as soon as that moment. Up until that moment, it's absolutely wild. Uh, it is. It is wild. And and but the moment that 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 child is born, that promise is delivered. Um, the peace of God. Um, just comes over the whole room. Um, last thing, when I was in Israel, there is a place in the walls there in Jerusalem um, near the Temple Mount that you can kind of walk through. Um, and there's a little space that they have um, set up that says as close to um, where the temple, where the Holy of Holies was in the temple. It's the closest physical location um, for Jews, and I got to go to that place. And what's really interesting, um, the Jews only let women go to that spot and pray in that one. It's a little bitty spot. I mean, it's like maybe like five by ten, and it's just a little bitty area in the walls that you can walk in. And they have it kind of lit up and some little things, some candles there and things like that. Um, but it's interesting that the Jews will only let women go there. And they say the reason why they only let Jewish women go to that spot and pray um, is because when women pray, it's powerful. And when the church prays, it's powerful as we are the bride of Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 55. Don't lose heart. Hold on. If God said it, the Bible confirms it, and you believe it, that settles it. And um, don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.